With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to episode 13 of the Double Switch podcast. I'm going to be completely clear and say that I had to look up what number podcast this is because it's been so long since I participated in one, which is a really terrible thing to acknowledge. But here we are on a Friday afternoon, moving into what should be the last big draft weekend for most people out there. And right about now is when people are cramming. Doing that last minute study, trying to soak up all the information they can. So this solo pod is going to be my version of, you know, Scott Pianowski has popularized the wallet. Um, Just basically like guys I keep drafting. Uh, And there's been multiple iterations of that kind of all over Twitter nowadays. I even put out my... uh, 10 players worth the worth the gold price and, and dove into a little bit of Game of Thrones and fantasy baseball mixed in. So faketeams.com if you haven't. Those are like basically what I felt like were 10 safe guys. Uh, it's an article I have fun with every year that I've been putting out for football and I wanted to transpose it over to baseball. So for those of you who have a commute, um, that's a foreign lifestyle to me, but I figured – I can hop on here and go position by position and share the guys I like, and uh, maybe it helps somebody out going into a draft on Saturday or Sunday. So we're going to hit a little bit of recent news and then hop in. So recently, uh, Ichiro retired 45-year-old, 19-year Hall of Fame career. Um, If you want to sound smart at the water cooler, Guy had over 3,000 hits, over 500 stolen bases. He batted over 350 four times, won 10 gold gloves, was an MVP, rookie of the year. I don't know what else you want. So anyway, Ichiro's the man, somebody I wish I would have maybe watched and paid attention to a little bit more. Unfortunately, being out there in Seattle, you know, that West Coast thing, he's just uh, not somebody I really got to see a whole lot. So. Kind of makes me sad, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, the send-off this uh, this week was pretty cool, pretty emotional. Um, don't like to see anybody cry, but it's certainly nice to see people respecting what a big moment it was when Ichiro hung it up. So that was the big news in baseball this week, aside from uh, what's what at least one writer on Twitter called Extension Palooza. Uh, Chris Sale signing a five-year deal for $150 million. Paul Goldschmidt signed a five-year deal for right around $110, I think. And uh, Mike Trout getting 12 years, $430 million. I'm pretty sure that's more than it costs to build that stadium. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, 
big deal in baseball, guys getting extended. It'll be interesting to see what that does to the hot stove season next year. Hot stove was uh, pretty god-awful and boring this year already, and we're already starting to see some of those free agents get extended. So it might be like really bare bones with uh, MLB free agency next year. So I'm already getting depressed about it, and we haven't even started the season. So anyway, I guess I'll have to be more of an NBA fan next year. So let's move on. I'm going to go position by position. I am sitting here in my living room by myself. I can talk as loud and be as annoying as I want. And I kind of, I went through the fake teams draft guide that we put out, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, I wanted to mainly see what has changed since then. So I kind of got an idea of where we were two weeks ago and I looked at it with some fresh eyes. Definitely some injuries that have changed the landscape at a couple of positions and uh, new players moving into starting roles has kind of changed the landscape. So we're just going to go through all the hitting positions. And if we have time, we may hop into pitchers and we'll see how it goes. So at catcher two weeks ago, there was a clear cut top two. There has been a clear cut top two all draft season uh, in Real Muto and Gary Sanchez, both of whom Looking at NFBC ADP, which is what I'll cite uh, throughout the pod today, um, both guys being taken before pick 60, which is way too rich for my blood. Uh, I don't have any shares of either catcher at all this season. And not because I was super opposed to it, but in every draft that I've been in, everybody has always pulled the trigger a little bit before. I mean, I could, I could maybe see a scenario where I snagged Real Muto around maybe pick 75-ish or 80 or so, but it, it's just it hasn't happened all season. So caps is out on both of those guys. If you happen to own either one of them, I don't assume that you'll be disappointed. I mean, it's hard to argue JT and Philly in a stacked lineup and getting that part boost. Um Sanchez had some really encouraging X stats last year. Like he, he seems like really primed to bounce back after what reads like an unlucky season, especially with batting average. So obviously he's a powerful guy in a strong lineup. So I don't think either one is going to necessarily cost you your league, but I cannot pay that price. And I think especially with Sanchez, I'm just out. I'd be more inclined to go real Muto. But anyway, we still have a top two at the top. If you're into that, I'm not. After those two, when we put out rankings at fake teams, we had a tie between the Wilsons and uh, Ramos and Contreras. Those guys are the next two per NFBC around pick 137 and 139. I did a little comparison on the .com where uh, basically I just came away feeling like Ramos is the far superior hitter. I also like his part better. I like the lineup he's in better. The only knock on him is that he's older and slower, but he's also a catcher, and we're not trying to find stolen bases with catchers. So for me personally, if I was choosing a guy in that juncture, I would go with Ramos over Contreras. Um, Honest to goodness, I'm inclined to skip over both of them and snag Yasmani Grandal over both. Um, he is the, I don't want to say new and improved, but now that we have lost Sal Perez for the year, Grandal is the guy for me that if I'm 
trying to get a catcher around pick 140 or 150 or so. Uh, Grandall's the guy that I want. He leads all catchers over the last three years in home runs with 73. Now that Perez is out, Perez was the leader with 76. But now that he's gone, if you're looking at the last three years, which catchers give you the most home runs? You're talking Grandall was 70, 73, and Gary Sanchez was 71. The number three guy is Mike Zanino all the way down at 57. So if we're having this power conversation, it is straight up Gary Sanchez and Grandall. And Grandall moving to Miller Park. He's a lefty bat. You can, numbers-wise, I know uh, the recent data I looked at at Fangraphs, the only other park that was reading better than Miller Park for left-handed power was Yankee Stadium, which is obvious with that short right-field porch. So Grandall obviously getting an upgrade going from uh, Los Angeles to Miller Park, obviously in a stacked lineup. So part of the reason I'm inclined to skip over the top two is I feel like Grandall is such a guaranteed source of power. So um, I'm I'm loving Grandall at his ADP. Right now at NFBC, that's 140. So, you know, if I'm looking for a guy like that, I'm inclined to go a little bit early around pick 130 or so go ahead and snag my starting catcher and uh, be done with it for the rest of the draft. So love me some grand doll. I hope that uh, you guys get plenty of shares. So after that catcher really starts to look pretty ugly to me. I'm not really interested in Yadier Buster Posey. Those are the two veterans that come next. Um, I'm kind of, I think Yadier would be a little bit more, uh, what's the word, a little bit more appetizing. It's probably a better word than that. But uh, he may maybe a little bit undervalued just because he's old we're, and we're all being ageist. So I can definitely see a scenario where if Yadier falls um, and you don't have a catcher and he's just kind of hanging around on the board, I would be fine grabbing him and just having the solid veteran bat. And obviously if he gets hurt, it's just kind of a crummy position, and you do the best you can on waivers. So um, I'd kind of be fine with Yadier, but I'm either looking to snag Grandall or I'll just wait. And uh, not really going to go for Danny Jansen, the rookie, not buying into Jan Gomes. I think Kurt Suzuki is pretty underrated. Alfaro in Miami is nice because you know he's going to get at bats. And one of the things we don't talk about a lot with him is he's actually pretty quick for a catcher. So Part of me wonders if Miami's going to let him run a little bit, even though that's something that we've not really seen from him at the MLB level. But the sprint speed is there. So that's slightly intriguing, but not really enough for me to kind of pay an expectant price. I'm fine to wait on Wellington Castillo, who's the 12th catcher off the board per NFBC. I think he's in a – obviously he's in a hitter's park in Chicago. The White Sox lineup should be improved. Um, he just seems like really safe power to me, and he's actually a decent source for average. So I think Wellington Castillo is pretty underrated. After that, like Mejia is interesting. He's got a battle hedges who's got some really strong defensive skills and some power on his own. But I definitely think Francisco Mejia is good enough to place even inside the top 12 for catchers in limited at bat. So he definitely has the hit tool to do that. I wound up with him on my TGFBI roster. Um, 
kind of feels like an upside play to me. Obviously, I'd never wish injury on hedges or anything like that, but it Mejia just he's got enough of a hit tool to be able to produce in limited time. And you can do that at the catcher spot. Almost every year there's there's one or two guys that are top twelve guys and they don't have a ton of at bats to uh to get there. The Braves catchers are a good example. And uh, as recently as 2017, um, they both had the fewest amount of at-bats inside the top 12. Both of them were top 12 guys. So anyway, I think Mejia can definitely do that this year if you get in a bind and you're looking for a catcher. Uh, Astadio out in Minnesota, he's another uh, obviously guy with an excellent ability to hit, doesn't strike out a lot. Playing time is a little up in the air, just like with Francisco Mejia. However, like I said, you don't have to have a ton of at-bats to place inside the top 12 at catcher. So I'm fine skipping over, you know, some of the – just some of the junk and uh, waiting on a guy like Astadio and, uh, you know, just having a guy that's going to contribute in batting average and he's not going to kill me when he's in there and, you know, not going to sink my average. So he's the 15th guy off the board, and that, that seems like an expectant kind of price, but – uh that's what you get because catcher's so ugly, and he actually is a guy that has the upside to finish like well inside the top ten if he gets some at bats. So you got to pay for that a little bit, and I'm fine with it. Uh, if if you go past that point, I'm like play for right now. Like maybe uh, Chirinos in Houston. He's the 17th guy off the board. He's just safe power in a good lineup. Batting average is probably going to hurt you. Uh, Francisco Cervelli in Pittsburgh feels pretty safe to me. He's the 19th guy off the board. And uh, Elias Diaz is a really quality backup. Showed a lot of good things last year, but he's currently hurt. So join me in playing for right now. And uh, go ahead and put Cervelli in if you get in a bind. And whenever Elias comes back, then you can figure it out. Um, If you want a little safer floor of at-bats, I think you can wait for Austin Barnes. And I think, let's see, Los Angeles came out maybe a day ago. They said he's probably going to start three out of every five days. So Barnes is going to get 60% of the at-bats in Los Angeles, which is nothing to uh, turn your nose up at. So he he definitely reads like a guy that has top 12 upside at catcher. And my dark horse play is a little bit of, I guess we say Braves fandom popping out, but Tyler Flowers, like, He mashed left-handed pitchers last year, and he's got Brian McCann to contend with. But Flowers, anytime you look at Flowers or, like, Google his name on Twitter, like, all you hear about is his pitch framing and pitch framing and pitch framing. Um, They're going to want him in the lineup, I think, more often than not. McCann, to me, reads like the, you know, the veteran guy that's going to spell him when he needs to. But uh, I think think Flowers is going to get more at-bats than people think. And in a really quality lineup, and I mentioned this at some point on the .com, that the Braves aren't afraid to let their catchers move up the order. That's part of why I think Suzuki and Flowers have been so successful like together in the past two or three years. And uh, I don't know. I just, I mean, I see him creeping up into like the number six spot, um, definitely against left-handed pitching. And I think you, I think you'll get the bats. He's got some pop. He's obviously in a good lineup, and it doesn't take a whole lot to be a top twelve catcher. So Flowers for me is a really excellent uh, second catching option in your two catcher leagues. And if you get in a bind, he seems like a guy that's worth a dart throw. You know, in a fifteen team league, I definitely think he's a quality starter. So 
maybe that's a hot take. He's a 28th catcher off the board per NFBC, but uh, I can't I can't find like 20 guys I like better than Flowers. I think it would be hard to even find you know in the high teens. I mean, I think I've got him ranked 16th or 17th the last time I looked. So if you get in a bind, you know, if some if some goofball drafted two catchers in a one catcher league, then maybe Flowers is your guy. So all right, let's move on. First base. Um, first base. First base is ugly. My my official note on my paper is that it sucks. It sucks even more because Matt Olson injured his hand yesterday, and we can have no good things. All of the things are bad. Everything is terrible. Yes, I drafted him in my most recent draft. Um, I'm still bitter. I will remain bitter until I get some positive news. So basically, you have a top eight or so at first base. Um, Olsen was the ninth guy per ADP, but now that he's kind of sketchy, um, I don't think you can really draft him aggressively this weekend if you're drafting, not unless we see some news on the hand. So, you know, first round, second round, well, really second round, you're looking at Paul Goldschmidt and Freddie Freeman. Goldschmidt, to me, is the top dog for the power. Um, his park's not great in St. Louis, but his power plays anywhere. And... I hate to say it with Freeman because I am a Braves guy, but if I'm buying into a Joey Votto rebound, I don't think I can pay a round two price tag for Freddie Freeman. Not when I can get Joey Votto in the Great American Small Park. I can probably get him 50 picks later. So I don't have any shares of Freeman this year, and that is exactly the reason why. Um, Rizzo in round three to me is is very solid. I don't think you're losing – Losing ground on that pick right now. Let's see in the in the Champions League of TGFBI, he went number thirty four. That feels about right to me. I'd be fine even going a tad earlier. Um, let's see. He just basically with Rizzo. He he had the one bad month last year that just kind of reads like just a little sluggish start. Maybe a little bit unlucky. He was making less hard contact. Um, maybe you say he was maybe not in game shape, maybe not ready, but it basically the one bad month from last year is giving you, it's gifting you an extra rounds worth of ADP where last year he was around two choice this year. He's around three pick. I'm totally fine going Rizzo in round three this year. Um, let's see after that, you're basically into like around pick 75 ish. You're looking at Matt Carpenter, maybe, um, I'm not really looking at Matt Carpenter. I, I, I sort of buy the uh, idea that went since Paul Goldschmidt's there that Carpenter, who already has a great a great walk rate and ability to get on base, he's just going to get on, man. I'm not saying he's not going to try and pull the ball and hit homers like he has been, but I can definitely see him maybe trading some power for more of an all-fields approach and getting on base, letting Goldschmidt do the dirty work. So Carp is not really somebody I want to have to draft. I did. I did pull the trigger on him in TGFBI. Um, to me, it was just more of a symptom of I, I felt like I had a lot of outfield value that was going to come late, and I feel that way in general about drafts. So I wanted to be really strong on the corners and in the mid in the middle infield, corner infield spots. So uh, all that kind of played a part. But uh, anyway, I'm not I'm not super into Matt Carpenter right now. Part of the reason is I feel like I can get Jose Abreu maybe 10-ish picks later. Abreu, to me, is a guy that's being underrated just because he missed some time last year. Um, I know he missed at least three weeks, maybe a tad bit more. 
Um, but right now he's healthy and everything last year under the hood checked out just fine with the Brayu. He seems like a guy in that part with an improved lineup that's gonna push for a 290 average and 25 plus bombs. And, you know, there's that's not uh, in existence a whole lot. So that's part of the reason I am doing, uh, you know, first base is just so thin. That's part of why I'm okay fading, fading Freeman. Maybe I'm looking for Vado, but Vado doesn't excite me as much as Jose Abreu, who also who comes a little bit later later than Vado. So Abreu is a big target of mine. I also snagged him in TGFBI. So that's pretty much it, honestly. First base kind of falls off a cliff after that. Um, if Travis Shaw qualifies at first base in your league, then that's a guy that you could consider. Um, in some formats, he will not have that first base tag though. So. Um, I'm digging Shaw personally as a second baseman, so we can chat about that in a minute. But uh, anyway, after uh, those guys, I'm fine to wait. I'm a fan of Luke Voigt in New York, who's probably going to back clean up. I think you can draft him very aggressively, so check your respective draft applets and check out his ADP, and it doesn't bother me if you pull the trigger 20 picks ahead of whatever that number says. So um, Justin Smoke I like is a safe power choice. He's going pretty late. Jake Bowers in Cleveland is a safe kind of power speed choice. You're going to have to cover for that average, though. Other than that, I'm fine, like, throwing a dart on Peter Alonzo. That's probably going to be, like, pick 250-ish. Um, and it, there's just there's not a whole lot to get excited about with first base. This is, this is definitely a spot where I'm fine to pay up. Goldschmidt in round two, Rizzo in round three. And uh, if not, I'm looking for Jose Abreu in the middle rounds. Just for reference, I took him at pick 63 in TGFBI, which may sound aggressive because it's 20 or so picks ahead of his ADP. But um, if he's healthy again, then next year we're going to be talking about him as a probably around three pick like we were a year ago. So, you know, that's a that's a fine spot to me to grab a Brayu. So anyway, moving on to the Keystone, uh, maybe won't be as depressed. Actually, no, the Keystone's terrible, too. So. Uh, the big thing for me right off the bat, pun intended, is totally buying a Jose Abreu rebound. That guy, to me, is a top 10 player in baseball right now. In fantasy baseball, he's a top 10 player. And you can get him, I don't know, in the teens or so. So if you're kind of late in the first round and it's murky and you're not really sure what you want to do, go ahead and grab you some uh, Altuve and lock up second base because it's a very paper thin position and take the best guy that comes back to you. So uh, at fake teams in general, we were really strongly fading Javi Baez. His ADP is 15 right now, which is insane to me. Um, you know, especially when you think about him in a similar light as uh, Adalberto or Jonathan Bilar. I mean, it, like there's a lot of like swing and miss to Baez's game. He chases a ton and uh, it's just it's a risky pick. So I love the way he plays real life baseball. But in fantasy baseball, I am a hard pass on Javi Baez. Um, with Merrifield around pick 30 is just solid gold. Not going to lose any ground with that. Um, for me, I'm fading Albies around pick 50, 55. It's just uh, I don't know. I can't really explain it. I'm a Braves. I'm a Braves guy, but. His second half tail off was a little concerning. I know he's still young. It's a great lineup. The park is great for a lefty bat. I know he's a switch hitter, but 
I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not really super into all these. I feel like if I don't land a guy early, I'm going to wait. Part of the reason I am waiting so much at second base is because I feel like I can snag Travis Shaw anytime that I want to. I'm pretty sure I own him everywhere. And he he's back-to-back 30 homer seasons. He's stolen 15 bases in the last two years, and that's combined. But it, to me, he's a guy that can go 30 with a handful of steals and uh, obviously in a great lineup. And he qualifies at second base, which is nuts because second base is so ugly. So I am passing over like Glaber Torres in New York. That's a he's going right around the time I would probably be taking Jose Abreu anyway. And uh, he doesn't have any speed. Yes, he's got some power. He's in a good lineup, but uh, just not really interested. Not when I can wait for uh, a Jonathan Villar type. If I want some steals, I'm okay with that. I think he's going to be able to run as much as he wants in Baltimore. Daniel Murphy's current ADP is about 88, but uh, I don't think that you can land him there. I mean, it would have to be like a, I don't know, like a work hometown kind of draft. I mean, if you want Daniel Murphy, I think you're going to have to pay up at least around maybe pick 60, 65, maybe to be safe. He's, he's definitely a buzzy name right now. I was surprised to see that he was at 88 still. So uh, anyway, so buying Altuve kind of, I'm okay with wit fading Albies, Glaber, I'm okay with Villar. Daniel Murphy, I want some batting average. I'm fine with that. In Colorado, obviously the air's thin. He could light it all up in batting average and with power out in Colorado. So if I don't go that early on Murphy, I love waiting on Travis Shaw. I'm fine taking him kind of aggressively in the late 80s or whatever. Um, his ADP right now is right around 100. But, you know, if you're wherever you are in your draft, if you're pick 85, 90 or whatever, that also used to be where I was looking for Matt Olson, but now that he's got the hand thing, um, Travis Shaw is a nice little consolation there. So Scooter Jeanette around pick 105 is a safe play to me. Um, I'm a believer in Jeanette. I know a lot of people are not, but uh, I dig it. After that, I'd probably wait for Odor around pick 125. He seems like a guy that's still up and coming. He's still young. Uh, obviously it's a great place to hit in Texas. So love me some Odor. After that, it's kind of ugly. Honestly, you can buy into a Cano bounce back, which I'm fine with last year. His, uh, hard hit rate, everything underneath looked pretty good. Um, I don't love the park, obviously. Um, the lineup is improved, but he, to me, just, I don't think you're going to get the home runs that you want think you'll get the average and he'll kind of chip in everywhere, but obviously not in steals. I just, he just seems kind of like a boring play to me. So does Brian Dozier. Uh, I'm inclined to just kind of wait if I didn't get somebody ahead of that. I'm fine to linger around for uh, Asdrubal Cabrera, who's going around pick 240. He's uh, at least probably second and third base eligible in your league, maybe shortstop as well. That's a great play in Texas, really underrated. If you need some power from a middle infield position, as Drupal Cabrera is your dude. Jeff McNeil is buried in most draft athletes right now, but he's walking into a starting position with this Jed Lowry injury. I personally think he's got the hit tool to bat 290 plus, and who knows how much power we get, but 
at the middle infield position if he's got a high average. Like he he could easily finish inside the top twelve or top fifteen at second base. So love me some Jeff McNeil in New York. Um, after that, maybe at pick three hundred, you're looking at Kiki Hernandez, who's the Swiss Army knife in Los Angeles, who had his best year ever last year. Um, you know one injury or so in Los Angeles and Kiki is getting the at bats. That's a guy that can easily, easily bash 25 plus home runs, if not creeping up on 30. So I really like Kiki after that. If you're looking for middle infield, you're looking at like Adam Frazier leading off in Pittsburgh against right-handed pitchers. I think that's a solid play for depth and or middle infield. I'm fine with Ian Kinsler right now. Uh, I definitely think he's probably not going to hold that spot all year given the prospects that the Padres have in middle infield. But as for playing for right now, it is generally underrated. If you get in a bind at second base or at middle infield, make sure you snag Ian Kinsler. And way down the list, a guy getting a lot of helium right now is Chad Pender. His ADP is 455 per NFBC. He's probably going to go undrafted in your 12-team league. And especially if you have a short bench, he is a name to monitor. He seems like a guy without a starting spot consistently right now, but he has been mashing the ball in spring training. And, uh, you know, just a deep name for you to know. Obviously, if you're on a 15-team league with large rosters, he should be a guy that should be owned, and we will see where his story goes. So for me, that's about it for second base. That sounded like a lot of names, but in truth, there are not a lot of second basemen that I am in love with. So look for some Altuve, Merrifield, you know, Jonathan Millar, Daniel Murphy, Travis Shaw, Jeanette Odor. And then after that, you're throwing some darts. So good luck. And moving on to shortstop, we are going to hit it and hit third base and outfield. And we'll get out of here because I'm going to go eat dinner with the wife. And shortstop, your boy, I took Trey Turner, number three in the Champions League of TGFBI. I have no regrets. I feel like I believe the Nationals when they say they want him to run. And if he attempts 70 or 80 80 steals this season, he will be absolute solid gold in fantasy baseball. He's got some pop. He could easily hit 20 homers. And if he attempts 80 steals at his current career success rate, which is 83%, you're looking at 66 stolen bases which would most likely blow everybody in the league out of the water while also chipping in with runs and batting average. And like, he just, I feel like Trey Turner can be a monster. So I have no regrets taking him number three after trout and bets were off the board. Obviously you can diverge however you would like at that point. But to me, I loved Trey Turner in that spot. So um, big news is Francisco Lindor. His ADP right now is right around pick number nine. He went 13th overall in TGFBI in my league. Uh, into the first round to me sounds about right for Lindor. I actually took him in the fake teams and friends draft um, that we had a few days ago. Um, the only honestly what scares me a little bit more than his injury is Cleveland's lineup, which if you look past Lindor and Jose Ramirez, it, it honestly, Cleveland's lineup looks like a dumpster fire right now. So they're a team I'm probably going to target early on in some MLB DFS. Um, I still think 
as far as shortstop goes, Lindor is going to be going to be just fine. So he's worth paying up for, in my opinion. Um, Bregman, to me, he's not a guy that I would want to play at third. <clears throat> he qualifies at third and short, so his ADP is right around twelve. He's going at the end of the round, round one. But he's he's a guy that can kind of fall. I think uh, that's you know you're looking at Degrom going there, or maybe somebody's like super high on. Uh, Altuve, which they should be, or buying into Bryce Harper now that he's in Philly. Like it, Bregman's a guy that I could see falling into the late teens, and you can you can potentially um, he's your second pick, and you're looking pretty fantastic with your first round pick, and then Bregman covering shortstop. So like Bregman at shortstop for sure. Um, then we're back to the heavy fade of Javi Baez, who's going at fifteen. I would fade him for Manny Machado, who's generally going around pick 16, one pick later. Um, if you miss out on Machado, I think I'm just fine with Trevor's story in round two. He's going around pick 18. Obviously, Coors is as safe as it gets for a hitter. Trevor's story, most people don't know, he's actually a very fast individual. So the stolen bases to me are legit. The power is legit because of Coors. So I don't think you're losing any money at all on Trevor's story in round two. Um, after that, um, again, maybe I'm just too risk averse. Um, I'm fading Adalberto. Um, he's going around pick 39. I'm fading him for, uh, Bogarts, Bogarets. I forgot how you say it. Xander, my boy around pick 50 in Boston. Um, just a much safer floor play for me. And maybe that's born out of playing too much head to head and needing the floor week to week, but it is what it is. That's what I like. Um, I'm also fading Correa, who's going right around the time uh, Bogarts is around 49. Um, if you wanted a guy like that, you could wait on Glaber Torres, who's going basically a full round later, around pick 63. Those guys have similar profiles to me. They're both powerful. Neither of them run very much. They both play in quality lineups. The major difference is Torres plays for a uh, you know, not a better lineup, but he's in a better park. Um, Correa, if he's healthy, he's probably going to have a better batting order spot, but I sort of feel like it's a push between those two if they both stay healthy. So given that Correa hasn't really been running, you know, and I mean stealing bases, I don't mean that he's not healthy, but they just have similar profiles to me. So I don't see where I would own Carlos Correa at all this year. So, um, but in truth, I'm fading both of them for Gene Segura who's going right around pick 60, pick 65. I think he's going to hit in one of the top couple of spots in Philly, which is obviously going to be in front of Bryce Harper. Um, probably he's going to be in front of McCutcheon as well. Who's, we'll see how Philly shakes it up. But getting that boost from Seattle to Philly, he instead of this 10, 11 home run power, I think Segura could easily pop 15 this year. And then you're looking at a guy that's going to maybe bat 300. He could easily swipe 20, 25 bags score a ton of runs and have some quality RBI account. Like I, I think Gene Segura can be just a monster in fantasy baseball this year. So I love him moving to Philly. Um, after that, honestly, I'm kind of skipping over a bunch of guys. I don't see any sense in going with Peraza around 90 or so. Not when I can wait on Ahmed Rosario, who's going around 135. Uh, Garrett Hampson around pick 175. He's a guy that has some upside, but obviously some risk because Ryan McMahon has been tearing it up. The best strategy if you're doing that is to just draft both of those guys. Um, 
obviously you need a deeper bench and a larger roster, but if you're unsure, just draft both of them. Um, I'm actually okay with Elvis Andrews in Texas as a middle infield guy. He's another dude that could drop a good bit in your draft. He's just kind of a, I think he feels like a boring play to most people, but last year he was injured. But before that, I totally bought into the swing change and the more aggression. And obviously the home park is great. So you get stuck at middle infield. I'm okay with Andrews. Um, I like him better than Eduardo Escobar, who's going around the same time. Um, Paul DeJong around pick 179, probably going to have a high batting order spot in St. Louis. I think that's a decent play. Um, not one I really get excited about, but I think it's decent. The really big guy I get excited about is Jorge Polanco, who should lead off in Minnesota. ADP per NFBC is about 194, but in my world, I'd take him a good bit earlier, maybe around 170, 175, 180. It just kind of depends on your room. You got to know who you're picking against. Um, he just, he's going to get the opportunity from what it looks like, he should lead off. He's above average in chase rate, contact rate, swinging strike rate, his sprint speed, his quality. I just really feel like he's a guy that can set the table for Minnesota, maybe go 15-15, have a nice batting average, score a lot of runs. Uh, really excited about Jorge Polanco. Really still angry at Smata for taking him away from me in TGFBI. I don't think I'll get over it very soon. Um if you miss out on Polanco, your consolation prize is Marcus Simeon, right around pick 200. Um, another guy that could easily go double-digit homers and steals. He's pretty under, underrated annually. Had a really quality second half. Love me some Marcus Simeon in my middle infield spot or at my second base spot, even as my starting second baseman. Totally fine with that with Marcus Simeon. Um, after that, you're throwing darts. I like the right after pick 200, the – Adamus, Angelton Simmons, Marte, Chris Taylor, that little grouping. That's a nice little group if you need a middle infield type. Um, as Druble pops back up again as a uh, shortstop in some leagues, right around pick 240, a lot of pop in that bat. And if you miss out on him, again, you're back to Kiki Hernandez, right around pick 300. Even uh, in limited duty, a guy that can just crush 20 home runs. So love me some Kiki especially in a daily format where you can uh, bench him if he's not playing and sub somebody else in. So love Kiki Hernandez this year. So, all right, we're going to hop into the hot corner and uh, move right along. So Jose Ramirez, honestly, I could have talked about him at second base, but second base and third base eligible. I know it's a cop-out, but I find myself not drafting him, not at the top five price I got to pay. Um, and honestly, I haven't been in a scenario where I had the fifth pick and he was there and I had to make that decision. Um, I know I took Trey Turner over him and TGFBI, but that was like right when the injury news had come out. So it was pretty it was pretty fresh. Uh, not not injury news, but uh, oh, Clay Link with his uh, epic tweet that just changed the changed the whole complexion for Jose Ramirez. So not nah, not injury, but uh his uh, performance against breaking balls. So just Google Jose Ramirez and Clay Link on Twitter and you'll find it. Um, that Honestly, that performance, uh, like many people have said, uh, you're looking at a small sample size. That doesn't concern me as much as the state of the Indians lineup. Um, I'd rather just not pay an early first round price. I'm, I prefer doing the back end of the round price, and that means I'm not going to have Jose, that I'm going to have uh, Francisco Lindor, 
if I land either one of them. But in a format like TGFBI, I wasn't willing to take on that risk. Um, obviously, in fake teams and friends with a little less on the line, uh, I kind of I pulled the trigger on Lindor at the end of the round. But uh, basically, maybe it's cop out. I'm just not buying Jose Ramirez this year. He can he can be somebody else's problem and or um, their their boon because I passed on him. So Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, if we're talking third base, and this is just part of what happens in a draft, um, I'm not trying to play Bregman at third. I mean, I can see a scenario where I take Bregman. He's my shortstop. Um, I just having him at shortstop is just phenomenal to me. But if we're talking third baseman, I'm fading him for Chris Bryant, who you can snag. Oh, man, I don't know. 15, 20 picks later, uh, right around 34. Um, I can't buy the narrative that Chris Bryant is no longer an MV caliber player simply because he got hurt last year. He's still young and he's still healthy. He said his shoulder feels perfect. I am 100% buying into Chris Bryant at his ADP as much as I can. Totally fine to take him uh, well earlier than pick 34. Um, you know, just bring it on all day. So love me, Chris. Love me some Chris Bryant. Um, let's see. Oh, we're fading Vladimir Guerrero. Yep, you heard it here. No Vladimir Guerrero for Heath. Not this year. I will totally pass. I will take my Anthony Rendon instead. If I miss Rendon, give me all of the Suarez out in Cincinnati going about 10 picks later. Love that power and the lineup. Um, if I miss out on Suarez, then I'm kind of waiting. I'm fine to kind of skip over Andahar. Playing time does worry me just a little bit in New York, even though when I look underneath the hood, he doesn't really worry me as much as a hitter. Uh, I think defensively you need to worry a little bit more. Um, but kind of skipping over him, skipping over Carpenter, and looking at Travis Shaw once again as a third baseman. Um, just love it. I love me some Shaw. You can play him in at least two or three positions. Depends on your format. And uh, if I miss out on him, Josh Donaldson, I'm buying into it. Joe, you can get out of my face with your negativity. Um, round pick 104 to me, Donaldson. His uh, injury risk to me is baked in. I still feel like he's a quality top 50 hitter in the MLB. Um, pick 100 to me just seems totally fine. I mean, if I miss out on Shaw, I am fine grabbing Donaldson as my starting third baseman. If you're worried at all, you can add your boy, Johan Camargo, after pick 320, and you can have both of the guys that might play third for the Braves. So there you go. Um, after that, give me some Justin Turner at pick 112. Love the batting average. He's currently healthy. Give it to me all day. If I miss him, love me some Matt Chapman around pick 115. Uh, after that, it kind of takes a dive. Uh, one of the guys that gets a playing time boost is Kong out in Pittsburgh. They just named him the starting third baseman. He is buried in draft applets. Um, you can easily snag him as your corner, corner infield type. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I said Asdrubal Cabrera like three times because he qualifies in three places. So totally fine with him as a corner infield guy, but I prefer him in middle infield. Uh, Ian Happ is a nice little sleeper play for me, post-type sleeper, right around pick 260. Uh, totally fine with Ian Happ taking a dart with a guy on my bench that could turn into a regular. Um, fine with Brian Anderson. You can snag him very late. 
Um, to me, he's a cheap, you know, fourth, fifth outfield type, cheap corner infield type. He's going to hit for some average or plenty of runs in his counting stats because of his spot in the batting order in Miami, even though it's a terrible lineup and it's a terrible park. He can easily be like top 15 at third base, in my opinion. So Brian Anderson is a very quality MLB bat that you can use to round out your rosters this year. And I already mentioned him, but I love Camargo. He is Atlanta's version of Kiki Hernandez. You can snag him maybe 15 picks after Kiki. Um, Doesn't have the same kind of power, but again, quality MLB bat. He's only one injury away from a ton of playing time or some uh, Dansby Swanson ineptitude at shortstop uh, with the stick. We love Swanson's glove, but if he's not getting it done with the stick and or if Donaldson gets hurt, I mean, there there are a lot of scenarios where Camargo's playing time is uh, really, really solid. So to me, he's a quality depth play at third base. So, all right, the wife is on the way home, so I'm going to wrap this up with the outfield. Uh, outfield to me is top heavy in 2019. Um, you know, plenty of names we could talk about. In the first round, I'm skipping over Yelich and going for Acuna instead. It's just me. You do you. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, give me all the Ronald Acuna. Um, love me some Bryce Harper around pick 17. I think that's too late to me. He's a top 15, you know, moving into first round pick. Uh, Aaron Judge at pick 18 seems like highway robbery to me with that power. To me, I think you can get him much earlier. You can easily justify a top 15 you know, even top 12 pick for Aaron Judge. Um, my deal where I'm kind of going against the grain is I love me some Ben and Tindy. Um, he's going about four picks after Charlie Blackman. Those guys kind of go back to back if you're looking at outfielders at the end of the second round or the beginning of third, depending on your league size. Um, I just, Blackman to me, the speed is dwindling. If you check it out, uh, I think he could easily be down to double digits in steals this year. He's not a guy we consistently thought would pop 30 homers, and he's getting older. I know he plays in Coors, but to me, I'm looking at Ben Nintendi. He's leading off. He could easily go 20-20. He could lead the league in runs. He's going to have a quality batting average. He's obviously playing for the Red Sox, who are a deep roster. I just really – I think the one arrow is trending up. The one's trending down, and to me um, – they're tight, like they're outfielder nine and ten in my ranks, but I've got Ben Intendi one spot ahead, and Blackman is generally being drafted earlier, so I have a lot of Benny this year. So just wanted to throw that out there. Um, value plays for me, I'm a definite uh, Starling Marte apologist. Give me all that in uh, round four or late in the third round if you're in a 12-team league, uh, right around pick 37. There aren't a lot of guys that are going to give you double-digit homers, quality batting average, quality steals. I love me some Marte. A lot of people complain about the ADP being um, too much just because of the speed. I agree that the ADP is inflated because of the speed. I just disagree that it should be inflated. I'm fine. I, I like it. So give me all the Marte. Um Let's see, Reese Hoskins, Cody Bellinger, those guys both qualify in the outfield. But to me, given how thin their first base is, those are first basemen in my book. Um, I would not be trying to play them in the outfield. Um, those would be first basemen if I drafted them. Um, after those guys, there's a big drop to George Springer, who I don't love, honestly. He's just kind of seems like a 
kind of a safe floor play to me. I much prefer to wait, and I'm I'm even fine skipping over Lorenzo Cain, Tommy Pham, David Dahl, uh, Marcelo Zuna's shoulder. Just give me all the all the Puig. I'll take it. He's at pick 82 per NFBC. I'm fine snagging him in the 60s. I'll be super aggressive on Puig this year. Uh, after him, Eddie Rosario. To me, the second half was a little little injury uh, explainable to me. Love me some Rosario as a guy that can go 25-plus homers with pushing double-digit steals. Um, and then, you know, the big name having the hot spring, Michael Conforto, right around pick 100. I think you'll have to be a little more aggressive if you want to land Conforto, uh, which I'm honestly am fine with in the outfield. The outfield kind of gets super thin pretty fast. I am fine with it. Uh, I'm skipping over Aaron Hicks right now. I'm fine taking a shot on a AL Rookie of the Year contender in Jimenez for the Chicago White Sox, even though, um, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm fine with it around pick 120. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes out in Chicago. Um, I'm skipping over Michael Brantley personally. Not a guy I feel like is going to chip in with speed. Um, not when I can wait and get another veteran bat in McCutcheon, who, his ADP is about 140 per NFBC. Um, I'm fine with Kutch as soon as like 115-ish, 120. Um, I think he's really safe. I think he's probably going to hit in one of the top three spots in that batting order. Um, getting a big boost, leaving Oracle Park, going to Philly. It wouldn't surprise me if Andrew McCutcheon hits 30 home runs this year and steals 10-plus stolen bases with all the – you know, little boost in batting average and all the runs and RBIs that come along with being in a quality lineup. So I love Andrew McCutcheon. He is another guy I snagged in TGFBI. Um, I am drafting him pretty aggressively this year. I love his spot. I think it's the best spot he's ever been in for his entire career. He's only 32 years old. Um, I have no complaints with Andrew McCutcheon. Um, he set a career best mark in chase rate last year, which was minuscule. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it was around 19%. If you're unfamiliar, league average chase rate last year, and this is batters going out of the zone chasing balls, that number was over 30%. McCutcheon was like 10% better. Um, and he set a career average or career high in hard contact. So I'm, I love me Andrew McCutcheon. I'm not going to talk about him anymore. You should just draft him very aggressively. <laughs> um, let's see. The next, my favorite tier of outfield is right around the 160s, 170s. You're looking at Harrison Bader. Love his outfield defense. I think he's a quality 15-15 threat in the outfield. Uh, Nemo in New York is another quality play, especially in on-base percentage leagues. Austin Meadows is the mega sleeper in the outfield that I am totally fine buying into right in that 175 range. Um, Laureano in Oakland, another kind of toolsy, solid defensive type. Uh, love him. Ryan Braun around pick 200 is probably going to be a value, even though it's super boring. Um, love me some Jackie Bradley Jr., probably pick 215 ish. Um, the second half last year was really encouraging. His new hitting coach is JD Martinez. 
Um, totally buying into the narrative. I love his outfield defense. That's going to keep him in the lineup. He seems like a guy to me that is really trying to refine what he does as a major league baseball hitter. Um, I definitely feel like you could see a Jackie Bradley Jr. breakout happen in Boston this year. So I'm all over it. I love me some JBJ. Uh, after that, Max Kepler is the name I get most excited about. Uh, to me, he's a floor play. He's just a really solid type. He's going to get a ton of playing time. The Twins have considered even batting him lead off. Um, he, to me, is just a, he's a really safe option anytime after pick 220 or so. Um, you know, I just I think he's really safe, and he also has some upside. He's still a young guy. I uh, love me some Max Kepler. Domingo Santana is the guy everybody is split on, and I don't get it. His ADP is at like 250. You can even go a little earlier than that if you want to make sure you snag him. I got him as my sixth outfielder in TGFBI, which makes him my utility bat. He's two years removed from a 30-15 season. He missed the play in time last year because the Brewers added Kane and Yelich. Now he's back to play in time. Yes, he's in Seattle. And we don't like that park as much, but playing time is underrated. His ADP is stupid low, and I'm got I'm, I have a lot of Domingo, so I love it. Give me all the Domingo. If you're going deeper than that, you need some playing time. Kevin Pilar is a name that could go 15, 15, maybe if not, kind of 12, 12, 12, 15. Uh, that's a name that's a little. He's really boring, but he's you know he's solid. He's underrated. Um. I mentioned Brian Anderson earlier, Cedric Mullins with some speed out in Baltimore. Kevin Kiermeyer is the guy that can never stay healthy, that we're just – he's so long on potential, but he can't stay healthy. Um, Steven Souza, another power speed type, needs to stay healthy. Greg Allen, a uh, cheap speed type after pick 300 if you're looking for some steals. After that, Kiki pops up again because he's eligible everywhere. Um, and then I like Solaire out in Kansas City. He's he's about as deep as I want to go in the outfield. Um, and you can get Solaire after pick 330 in some places. So uh, outfield definitely has some interesting names. But if you're in a five outfielder league, I definitely wouldn't be too inclined to wait too long. There are a lot of landmines, and it does kind of tail off pretty quickly. So anyway, I know this was short and sweet, but yours truly is about to go out on a hot date. So I hope that you guys are doing something similar on Friday night, or if you're listening to this on Saturday morning, you know, I hope it's a great weekend. I hope you rock your drafts and I hope this helps somebody. And I know I didn't talk about starting pitchers, but uh, let's say skip over Clayton Kershaw and Madison Bumgarner and call it a day. Um, get you one of those guys in the Jack Flaherty, Jameson Tyon, Jose Barrios tier. That's as low as I'd go as my SP1. That's uh, that's where I'd want to find my SP2. And then from there, you man, chase upside. You know, get you the Eovaldis, the Glasnos, the uh, Joe Musgroves, um, you know, Andrew Haney, but he's hurt now, so I guess skip over him. But uh, get you some Dodgers pitching, some Stripling, Maeda, those kind of guys um, with some innings concerns that you can maybe turn a profit on because people were worried. And uh, relief pitcher is super thin, so uh, nab you some Jose Leclerc and uh, call it a day. And uh, let's see, Jose Alvarado in Tampa. Who else do we like? Kalame in Chicago. 
I actually really like Dominguez and Philly. I think there'll be enough work to go around for Sir Anthony and a uh, new guy they brought in. I'm blanking on his name, the Yankee reliever. You all know who he is. I think there's enough work to go around. So uh, anyway, that wraps it up for me. I'm going out on a date. Hope this helps somebody out. And uh, take care. And we'll see you back again on episode 14. Peace.